You're listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Eric Barton. We're so glad you've joined us today. And as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday service now. Welcome. My name is Mike Hall. I'm one of the pastors here at Bethel and then uh, do some entrepreneurial stuff around town. Eric is uh, out of town this week. He is in Borger, Texas right now in the greater metropolitan area there of Borger, uh, heading to Colorado to spend some time with his family. Uh, If you are a guest here, first of all, normally we don't have bugs on the background right here. Uh, This is leftover from the Abide Women's Retreat. This is artwork done by our Bethel women. Uh, The theme was Jesus likes bugs. Uh, the, the, I don't know what the theme was, but it somehow had to do with, with bugs. Uh, so that, that's just leftover. We didn't quite get everything cleaned up uh, from that, so, so those are there. Hey, also, if you are a visitor or a guest, we want to let you know what's happening here at Bethel. And the way we can do that is in the seat backs in front of you, you can fill out one of those uh, things and stick it in the tithe and offering box back there. That's the only thing, by the way, we ask that you put in that box. That's just for our members. Uh, Or you can just text your name and your email to this number right here, and we will put you on our Bethel e-news. And from uh, from there, we'll let you know what's happening. So we'll send you a weekly email about things that are happening downtown, and it's a way for you to get involved. Also, when you walked in, there was a bulletin that tells you things that are happening. Feel free to read that when the sermon gets slow. So that's uh, right there for your reading pleasure. Hey, uh, speaking of, because Eric's not here, I'm filling it for him today. So will you uh, will you pray with me as we go through Book of John? Lord, uh, we do pray that as we open up the book of John, that you would transform us, that uh, the things that are said and spoken of would be true, and that if anything is not true, that you would uh, remove that from our minds and our hearts. We uh, do, Lord, pray that you would transform us, that you would set our minds and our hearts uh, and put them at a place where we can receive and understand what it is that you would have to say for us, to us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Hey, so we are, uh, we're walking through the book of John, and we are on John chapter 13, which is a, a pretty familiar passage. It is where uh, Jesus washes the disciples' feet. And so I was thinking, hey, Barton's not here today. Uh, he's a little bit nervous that he doesn't know what I might say, and so I thought I'd go with that. So hold on, I've got something back here. Don't mind me. I'm still here. Don't worry. So I got some water, and I thought it would make sense because we're actually talking about washing Jesus' feet that I would wash some people's feet here this morning. And so I don't know who yet. So I was thinking in the back row because these people always think I'm going to hide back here and no one's going to, to uh, see me. And so, in fact, Micah's face right here says, please choose me. But no, uh, instead we'll go back. Uh, oh, there's someone here in the front row. She wants to no, know. We're going to come back over here in the back. I love that the little kids are excited about this, but the adults are freaking out. It's kind of fun. <laughs> you know what? We're not going to do this, actually, this morning. But, and, and I see that there's some sigh of release, relief. And it makes sense that you would not want this done. I mean, this is where, as I'm walking through, 
uh, like Brandy gave me looks like, I will kill you if you call on me. You will really die, and it is worth the jail time that it will cost if you call up me right now. Because feet are nasty, right? And you'd have to expose themselves. And it's also interesting that the kids, oh, me, right? They're all in. You know, when Jesus talks about washing our feet, there's a vulnerability there. And Jesus, who's the master storyteller, actually, well, you know, he uses metaphors and similes and parables, but in this story, he, he puts himself in the situation with his disciples so that they can actually feel and sense some of this humility that it takes to get your feet washed. John Calvin, in talking about this gospel, he says, hey, the, the first the other three gospels talk about Jesus' mind, but when John writes, he speaks of Jesus' heart. And we get that, right? We feel that. It's the stuff when I'm walking up and down that wives are like, this is why we spend money on pedicures. This is the reason right here. You're thinking, ah, makes you nervous. Your foot, fungus, the stink, wondering when is Eric going to come back. I get it. So with that as the backdrop, Let's turn to John chapter 13 and begin right there in verse 1. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things in his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper, he laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. So we pause and we look, what is Jesus doing here? And Jesus' brilliant storytelling, he's saying things in a couple of layers. First, Jesus washes feet to give a physical and emotional example about what he's about to do just days later on the cross. So emotionally, as we look at the cross and we look at what Jesus is about to do, he's making a connection that this is like washing feet, that this is a dirty job, so to speak, and it's, it's, not, uh, it's not nice and neat, it's, it's funky, and, he, and he's going to submit himself to something that is literally nasty and ugly, in fact, it's something that only slaves would typically do, but in some municipalities, it was illegal for slaves to do this as well because it was such a lowly position is to wash someone's feet. So in other cultures, there's some cultures that slaves would do it, and then other cultures, uh, it would be the, uh, the house guests would do it to show hospitality, almost in the same way that you would take someone's coat, uh, but it was a, a lowering yourself to say, you are welcome to my home, you are uh, above me, so to speak. But it was also physically intentional 
When Jesus washed his disciples' feet, it wasn't a, a afterthought or a happenstance. It was on purpose. In fact, if we look, it happened halfway through the meal. The disciples were arguing about who was the greatest, possibly because nobody had washed anyone's feet. And so they start this little bickering about, hey, who's, I'm better than you. Well, I did this. Jesus knows me better. Jesus was just sitting at the head of the table. And after they finished bickering and the meal had started, Jesus then gets up on purpose to go wash the disciples' feet. As this foreshadows the cross, we want to remember that this is on purpose. That when Jesus died for me and for you, he wasn't a victim. He wasn't knocking on the door hoping that you would please open it that Jesus, no, was intentional and ferocious in the way that he loved. Jesus didn't, he removes the outer garment, washes the feet, puts it back on, and then in verse 12, Scripture says, when he had washed their feet and put his outer garment and resumed his place, he said to them, do you, do you understand what I have done? He resumed his place. When John writes this, there's a, a double meaning there. There is, yes, he resumed his place at the table, but again, as this foreshadows the cross, just as he's going to die and humble himself to death, he is still king, and he is going to live again, and he is going to, to resume his place to the right hand of the Father. Now again, with John, being that there is a gospel of the heart, we get to see some of the motive here as well. There's that VH1 behind the scenes, hey, let me tell you really what's going on kind of thing that's, that gets to happen here. What's the behind the scenes here? What's his motive? Why is he doing this? What's well, right there in verse one. That Jesus is doing this having loved his own to the end. So he's doing this for his own, for believers, for those that have faith. And to, to what end? To the end. To the end in every sense of the word. To the end of time, he loves you. To the end of your life, as you lay on your deathbed, he loves you. To the end of your rope, he loves you. To the end when you can't do it anymore, when you have the anxiety and you don't know what to do, when you don't know where to go and you want to give up and you're done, Jesus loves you. And in a way that's not just abstract or theoretical or out there. It's, it's love where he would wash your feet. And in that same way, as I was walking down the aisles and you're thinking, don't pick me. Do you think of Jesus washing your feet that way? Do you think of him in that kind of tangible way of loving you? Here's what I ask you to do. For 10 seconds now, imagine that. Think about this with me. What would your response be if Jesus, the God of the universe, right now showed up? Maybe here at this church, in the flesh, and he walked up to you, and said, I want to wash your feet. He untied your shoes, he took them off, he took off your socks, and they 
didn't smell great, and you've got the little funk between your toes, and he began to wash your feet. What would your response be to that? And as you think of Jesus, and when you think of God loves me, yes, this I know for the Bible tells me so, but is it that tangible that he would get that dirty for you? You know, as we think about that, it kind of brings you to the next part of the parable. It's on one hand what Jesus is foreshadowing that he's about to do and has done for us on the cross, but there's also a piece there that says what is our response and how are we to receive that? And we can look at this about two different disciples and how they responded. Um, you know, Jesus washes our feet to give a physical and emotional example of the position that you have to take in order to be clean. I mean, let's look at Peter first. In verse 6, Scripture says, He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterwards you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you will have no share with me. So Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. I love Peter. You know, John, when he writes the gospel, he refers to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved, which I always kind of laugh at. It feels a little bit arrogant, right? Oh, well, there's me, the one he loved. I imagine if he were to write about Peter, he might be the disciple that Jesus tolerated. I get that sort of flavor because Peter's always kind of taking it to the edge. He's the one that says, oh, Jesus walking on water? Well, I'll come out there with you, right? Oh, I can't. I'm no faith. I'm drowning. Help me out. Like, he's always the first in line, and Jesus' tomb, Peter's in the front of the pack going to check it out. He's a little bit reckless, and I get it. I feel Peter. I feel it here in Bethel. I'm right. You've got Eric. Oh, He's, everyone loves Eric. He's great. He gives hugs and he talks real fast. And Mike, he's, uh, well, he's good at having hard conversations, right? <laughs> no, but I get Peter. I love his zeal and, and what he does. But here, Peter, Jesus says that Peter doesn't understand at this point in time. He doesn't know what's going on. We know later Peter does understand. We see in 1 Peter, in the whole uh, first chapter, that Peter talks about the narrative of the gospel and what happened and how it affects us. And there's clear understanding. We also see Peter, he talks about being clothed in humility. And I imagine when Peter talks about being clothed in humility, he's thinking about this time, the time when Jesus took off his outer garment in order to humble himself to wash feet. And Peter sees this is the humility that, that you would disrobe in order to lay yourself down for another brother and sister. That Peter, later on, an older, wider, wiser Peter, he understands. But at this point in time, he doesn't. He doesn't get it. And here's where he says, hey, Jesus, uh, okay, if you're gonna cleanse, cleanse my feet, hey, Get my hand, get my head, do the whole thing. And Jesus, who knows, hey, I'm talking about the cross. And I'm talking about your response being belief. 
And what you're saying is, hey, do something else as well. He's going, hey, you, you don't need to do that. And I get this. When I was a, a kid, I grew up um, in a very disciplined Catholic uh, church background. And so as a kid, I would go to confession. And uh, by all means, we should confess our sins to each other and to God. But uh, this was a, a confession. It was in the Catholic Church, which they would call a sacrament. And you would go into a booth, and you would sit there with the priest, and you would uh, tell him your sins. And of course, as a kid then, um, I, whatever kind of comes to my mind at that point in time and trying to go through this process, and I'd tell him some sins that I had. And he'd go, okay. He would say some prayers. And then he'd say, now to be totally forgiven, you need to go back to the pew and get on the kneelers and kneel and you need to say this prayer 10 times and then say this other prayer 10 times. I said, okay. So I went back to the pew and I sat down and I, I, I remember even with my hands holding them up, Hail Mary, for grace of the Lord is with you. Blessed are you, women, blessed are you, women, holy Mary, mother God, pray for her now the death. Two. Holy Mary, Mother God, pray for you. And, and you go through these, and, and this, this prayer that I would cycle off, right? And I'd hit all 10, and then I would do the Our Fathers, and I would do the same thing. I'm like, okay, so now I'm forgiven. And even as a kid, I thought, golly, this feels kind of weird. And wrote, and really, the God of the universe needs me to do this, this penance to be forgiven? Now, in a Bible church, and, and those of us who study Scripture know that, no, that's a, that's a tradition, and that that's not true, that you don't need to do that in order to have right standing with God. But you know what? Sometimes we substitute something else for that. Even though maybe we know and our Scripture says, hey, for us to be clean, for us to be forgiven, we need to believe. But we often add something else to that. Maybe what we add is, and we've got to do some good things. We've got to help God out. We've got to bring our best self in order to have our best life now. We need to do everything we can. Maybe it's we've got to go to church a certain amount of times, and that will please God a little bit more. Or maybe it's, hey, when we sin, we should feel some kind of guilt and shame for a long period of time or maybe some certain magical period of time, and that will communicate that God will really love us and really forgive us, and that gives us the right standing. But no, Jesus says, when, when I've cleaned you through the cross, it, that's it. You're clean. It's over. You don't need to walk the aisle again. You don't need to be saved another time. You are clean. Now to contrast, let's look at Judas here in verse 21. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of the disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at the table at Jesus' side. So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So that disciple, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? When Jesus answered, it is he whom I give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. And he dipped the morsel and he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Then, after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. And Jesus said to him, what you are going to do, do quickly. No one at the table knew why he said this to him. But some thought that because Judas had the money bag, Jesus was telling him, hey, buy what we need for the feast. 
or that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out, and it was night. You know, if we look there at verse 11, for he knew who was to betray him, and that's why he said, not all of you are clean. Here's what strikes me when I read this passage, is that Judas got his feet washed, but he wasn't clean. When we look at who Judas was, his, I'm gonna say character, what he was like, he looked like all the other disciples. In fact, right, when Jesus said, one of you will betray me, the disciples were going, who, who is it? Which one? If we look at some of the other gospels, they actually ask each other, is it, is it me? Am I the guy? When I think of Judas in my mind, when I picture what he looks like, he's like a, you know, got the dark goatee, and he kind of has that little cartoon devil look, right? I think of maybe the 80s Judas Priest sort of band, right? I mean, this kind of dark guy. But Judas was just one of the disciples. He was just another guy. If he was in church, he would just be another member. In fact, if there was a, a Jew test, what it meant to be a good Jew, all the things you needed to do, Judas would have passed. Which makes me think, I, I wonder what the test would be if we did a good Christian test. What we might put on that list. Are you a, a good American or maybe you take it a step further and say you're a good Texan. Or a step further that says you don't hunt birds when they're not in season, right? What are the good things that we do? We are educated. We don't cheat on our spouse. We go to church. We don't cuss. We don't sleep around. What, what are those things? What are, what's the matrix that we use that we would say, they're a good guy. They got a good heart. If it's not, they believe in Jesus, that he died for their sins and he rose again and that he's alive today, then it's a false metrics. It's, it's not what makes a good Christian. Judas is the example of that. He made a good Jew. He passed the test, but he was not clean. Jesus washed his feet in the sense that he came to church, but he did not clean. So what's the difference? Right, Peter didn't understand. He didn't know what was going on. But Judas, he wasn't clean. Well, the difference is if we look further in John chapter 20, and he talks about why he's writing this entire book, John writes the scripture so that we may believe. That's the difference between Judas and Peter. And that's our response. Our response is to believe. Because as dirty as our feet are, our feet are not nearly as dirty as our hearts. And that's what needs cleansing. So, what are we to do with this? Well, this is where it gets fun. When we look here in, in verse 12, when Jesus had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you 
if you do them. And that word, just so you know, blessed are you, that's the same word that comes from John's Beatitudes, this understanding. So then Judas leaves the room and Jesus picks up on this in verse 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I've loved you. You also are to one love, love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Okay, so what are we to do? The first, the word example here is a, a word in the Greek that means to do this and, and like this and add on. So it's not mimic exactly. It's uh, do something like this and more so. So for an example, uh, if I'm teaching my son Eli how to juke a defender out in basketball, right? I might say, hey, get the ball, take a step, pump, and then go hit it again to the same side. Get him every time. And then Eli takes it and goes, okay, those are the things I'm going to do. Step, juke, go. Okay, got it again. Well, by the second, third time, the defender's like, yeah, I get this gig. I know what you're doing. You're going left on me, right? So it's not that kind of example. Instead, it's do something like this. You don't actually need to wash feet. You You need to... do something that is similar in this type of service. We see this in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 5 when the churches set up this uh, way to take care of widows. And they're talking about which widows do you support and which ones do you not support and how old do they need to be and what are the qualifications. And one of the qualifications, it's the type of people that have washed feet. That we know that this is not an ordinance of the church. Uh, otherwise, that would be everybody. It would be something that everybody is always doing is washing feet. But it's sort of a, a separate group of people who are serving one another, right? So that's what we're to do, is we're to serve, to do this as an example. But also notice that uh, this new commandment, so to speak, is given after Judas leaves the room, is when Jesus drills down on, hey, this is what I want you to do. Which is interesting, because this commandment is for people who are believers, that if you're a believer, you are to wash feet, you are to serve. If you're not a believer, stop doing good things. Jesus doesn't need you to do good things. God doesn't need you to be on your best behavior. Those things don't matter, they're fruitless. What God needs is for you to, well, what we need is for us to believe. That's what cleanses us, that's what washes us. So, what does it mean then to be a servant? Well, it's one, it's to do the things that other people don't want to do. Now, we've been to church more than two or three times, and we've heard this before, right? This is what it means to serve. And we want to do it as a, as a reflection of only because of what Christ has done for us. We know this. But why is it that sometimes when we serve, it feels like, We ought to do this. We ought to serve. This is what I should do. And and the reason there is because we haven't haven't set our minds and our hearts into fully understanding what it is that God has done for us and for that to flow out what we do for other people. We haven't really changed our mindset about ourselves and those around us. But if we look at Jesus here and we really allow our heart and our mind to see who he is and what he's doing, he is choosing to love others by lowering himself. He doesn't have to convince himself in the moment to do this. No, he just does it. It's only 
because of what Jesus has done for us, that we can love others who don't deserve to be loved. That we can say things like, hey, I, I can take care of this, even if it's not your fault. That you can love your spouse. That you can love somebody without needing to be loved in return. Regardless if you'll ever get loved back. Even if they betray you, you can still love. Because as believers, if we grasp and understand that Jesus washes our feet, that he would lower himself to do that and that we don't deserve that, when we grasp that and get that, then when we love other people, it's not because I ought to do some more good deeds, no. It's because it's just we get to and it's a part of who we are because of what God has done for us. So here's a, a challenge. If you're a believer, if you believe in Jesus and you find yourself time and time again going, I ought to do this good thing. I ought to love my neighbor. I gotta love someone else in our church. And, you, and it's not out of a abundance. Stop doing it. God doesn't need you. Instead, Take that time and just meditate on him. Think about what he's done for you. Know that Jesus has washed your feet and when you get to a point then, when you fully grasp that and get that, then go serve people only out of an abundance of what he's done. Uh, Joy is a good indicator of that. That someone who's going around and I'm loving God, but they haven't notified their, their mouth that they're happy, right? that that might be an indicator to say, hey, something's off here. We know that scripture says that, that in following Jesus, his, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. That as a believer, as we go around and as we serve, if there's not a lightness to what we're doing, we're doing it wrong. Something's off. I bet there might be an ought-to-ness there instead of just out of abundance and out of reflection of what Jesus has done for us. And also a way to love each other is to remind us of this, right? Because we forget, especially in a culture where what we're measured on is what we do and performance is such a big deal. I forget this all the time. And I need people often to remind me, hey, hey, you don't have to do that. In fact, if you feel that way, stop. Remember, God doesn't need you. It's good for my soul to be reminded of that. And then to be clear, as we talk about this justification, it's not even based on understanding or obedience, but faith. We see then Jesus foretelling Peter's denial in verse 36. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me afterwards. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. We see that even Peter, who denies Jesus, is still clean. To be clean does not mean to stop sinning. It means to have faith. And so as we wrap this up, here's the challenge. is for all of us to ask ourselves these questions. One, are you like Judas? Do you need to be cleaned 
Maybe you look like a good Christian. Maybe you show up to church and you do good things and you're good to other people. But you don't believe in Jesus. If that's you, I invite you to believe. Believe in Jesus and you'll be clean. Or maybe you're like Peter. Maybe you believe, but you're still adding something more to the gospel. You still feel like you've got to do some other things to be a little bit okay, a little bit right. You've got to carry a little bit of guilt and a little bit of shame because of your past, or you've got to meet God halfway because he did his part, so by golly, you ought to do your part too. Maybe that's a lie you believe. If so, free yourself. Stop. Know that he is light and that there's joy. As believers, when we serve, do we serve out of ought to or out of gratitude? When we respond to Jesus who wants to wash our feet, do we kick off our shoes like the kids were at the beginning saying, wash my feet? Come to me like the children. For all of us, the response to God is gratitude and thankfulness. For us to take on the love of Jesus who humbled himself to wash our feet to the point that he would die for us so that we could be cleansed. Then we can go serve, but only after we grasp that. Let's pray. Lord, all we can say is thank you that you have washed our feet, that you would cleanse us. We don't deserve that. But you chose us. So I pray for all of us that are believers, that have faith, that you would give our our mind and our heart the understanding that you love us that much. And for those of us who haven't believed, I pray that you would move in the hearts of those that don't believe to believe. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you'd stand with me for a benediction also. In the spirit of humbling yourself, perhaps, to wash your feet, uh, maybe one way of doing that is to ask someone to pray with you. And so right over here, if you want to uh, have someone pray for you about anything, uh, feel free to come up here, right to the, my right, your left of the stage, and uh, we've got some people here who will pray with you if you'd like that. Hey, may the Lord of the universe, who is willing to wash our feet to the point that he would die on the cross, may we understand and grasp how great and how wide and how deep his love is for us. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. And if you have any questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at Bethelbible.com. Thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast.